Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome back to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, our, our intermittent show between uh, between seasons of new episodes of Star Trek. Uh, we got we have we, we had to come together this week, Paul, because there's just so much going on in in and around Star Trek. Oh, we're not going to talk about the Snyder Cut. <laughs> well, it, it, is there a Snyder Cut of Star Trek out there? Did they? Did they? You don't know. You don't know. Did he add two hours into Wrath of Khan? He might have. Because if so, I'm there for it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say yes, so we can talk about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. I am. But I am. I'm if totally you there. are interested in our conversation about that Justice League thing, check out our feed, uh, the Funny Books with Aaron and Polly feed. Because um, we we did we didn't have a four hour conversation. We should have. We so. totally should have had a four hour conversation. It was like a forty minute conversation. So I mean, I think ten minutes an hour is pretty solid. So it was the Whedon cut of our start of our uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League cut conversation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was a good conversation. I, you know, if you haven't if you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out because it's uh, it's good stuff. Uh, but you know, Paul, you know, I think mm-hmm. before we before we dive in into all the news that is news around Star Trek, um, I think we have to acknowledge that uh, William Shatner, the man himself, Captain Kirk, is ninety years old this week. He, he he is almost as old as Picard is in the Picard TV show. That's right. And why there's not a Star Trek Kirk episode or you know TV show, I don't know. Except that maybe Malcolm McDowell killed him. Spoilers in generations. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers from twenty years ago. Um, you know, I Shatner. You know, happy birthday, William Shatner. Ninety years old. I mean, the guy still seems like he's very active in uh-huh. uh, media. Now, all those commercials could be five to ten years old. I don't know, but. I still see him on TV a whole hell of a lot. You know, he's got a new movie coming out. What? Yeah, he and, uh, oh crap, what's his name? Uh, uh, played Reverend Jim and Taxi and... Uh, Christopher Lloyd? Yeah, Christopher Lloyd. Thank you. I was, I, huh. I, was, I was going to Star Trek Three there for a second. But yeah, he and Christopher Lloyd... You know, uh, it's one of those old guy movies, right? You know, I'm getting too old for this shit kind of thing. Uh, but okay. uh, Shatner plays like a retired astronaut and, effort, and Christopher Lloyd's his best friend. And he falls in love with a uh, younger woman, yada, yada, hijinks ensue. But yeah, they made it apparently three years ago. And for whatever reason, it didn't get distributed. But now Is it because it's not a good movie? Is that I, Could that be why the y- reason? You know, it looks like every other old guy movie you've ever seen in the trailer right i mean that that's what when i look at the trailer i'm like this looks like every other old guy romance comedy that i've ever seen um 
so I, I, I'm not going to say it's good or bad. I'm just going to say it doesn't look like anything particularly fresh. But the point I'm making is, is that you know, William Shatner is still out there working. You know, yeah, this was made three years ago, but he is he is active in getting it into uh, distribution. Probably go straight to streaming. You know, would be my guess. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, he is. I note that there there will be a William Shatner 90th birthday celebration at that. Uh, New York exhibit, the standing exhibit where they've got the um, the uh, bridge sets and Enterprise sets there. Oh, okay. Ticonderogacon, yeah. I think yeah. is what it's called. Um, we saw some of those sets when you and I were at Mission New York. Anyway, they've got the they've got the whole tour, and you can spend a ridiculous amount of money to have dinner with uh, William Shatner and get a personal William Shatner uh, directed tour of those sets. It's like fifteen hundred dollars to have dinner with William Shatner. Holy shit! And you know, having heard interviews with other uh, you know Star Trek luminaries uh, at cons, <laughs> Shatner usually eats away from the other Star Trek talent. Mm-hmm. You know, like he eats in his separate room. <laughs> so I'm wondering how personable he'll be. You know, if he's you know I I prefer to dine alone. You know, but here I am. <laughs> well, I mean. To be fair, uh-huh. it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience because it's not like he's going to be around for much longer. Right. If you want yeah, to have no. dinner, dinner with William Shatner, you pay your $1,500. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, time is literally, you know, the the uh, the most valuable resource he has right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I don't mean to be ugly about that. I, I, you know, clearly he's 90 years old. How much more time do we have on earth with William Shatner? So, yeah, I mean, I'm not making it to 90, so good on him. Oh yeah. You're, you're barely going to make it, you know, <laughs> to the end of this podcast. Uh-huh. Really. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not well. We're, it's, nah. that, that is, that is clearly an evidence. You are not well, Paul. I feel like I'm pickled. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, all that, that means, Paul, is that after you decease, your corpse will be well maintained. Just like Superman in the Snyder Cut of Justice. League. Just like it, bringing it back, Paul. Look at you bringing <laughs> <Bam>. it back. <laughs> well, you know. Shatner, of course, is living history. You know, he's been involved with, you know, Star Trek for more than 50 years. Uh, and as such, it seems appropriate that the History Channel should be coming out with their own Star Trek limited docu-series. I think it's like eight episodes that they're going to do of the history of Star Trek. And Paul, it's done by those guys we like who do the toys that made us and the movies that made us. Okay, okay, that that could be intriguing. I, I don't particularly love the a toy shop near you, uh-huh. um, but but I do enjoy you know the toys that made us and the movies that made us. So I mean, this could be interesting. So it, so tell me more, Aaron. Well, it's got the guys who uh, wrote the oral history of Star Trek, a fifty year history of Star Trek. Um, and that book is fantastic, covering everything Star Trek from The Cage all the way up to the first season of Disco. Um, it uh, And so I, I, I feel like it's got a really good pedigree uh, for this, uh, this series. What I'm also encouraged by is that you know, they say that they're really going to dig deep. Uh, I'm hoping that it's not just... You know, some of the some of these TV documentary series don't really go very deep. They don't interview. They mm-hmm. don't generate new content. A lot of it's just sort of off the shelf commentary. Um, I, I am 
given the pedigree it's got, uh, you know, given that, you know, it's the toys that made us guys and the guys from the oral history of Star Trek, I think this stands to be a, a, a good show and live up to their promise of being the definitive Star Trek history. I hope so. You know, like like you said, a, a lot of these things can tend to be puff pieces. Yeah. You know, perhaps not delving into some of the, um, you know, more dramatic aspects, focusing on the positive. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not just looking for straight drama, but I am hopeful to, to get something a little bit more than what we've seen a thousand times already. Completely agree. Completely agree. I would I would very much like to see some uh, fresh content, fresh interviews generated mm. for it that aren't just, as you say, puff pieces, that they that they are. You know, some hard hitting journalism, you know, some gotcha journalism, you know, let's let's get the the History Channel investigative journalists out there to find out what Quark really was selling. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to see. What what was Neelix putting in the meatloaf on USS Voyager? Yeah. Yeah. What was that meat loaf? Yeah. Well, you know, perhaps it won't make it into the History Channel Center seat docuseries, but it may make it into that documentary about Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, look at that. You know, uh, the Voyager documentary. And if you'll if you'll you know hop back in the Wayback Machine, you'll remember that there was a Deep Space Nine documentary that was crowdfunded. This is done by the same producers, the Star Trek Voyager documentary. They were shooting for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in their flexible goal as we record tonight they are at eight hundred and eighty two thousand dollars three hundred eight hundred eighty two thousand three hundred ninety eight dollars which is five hundred and eighty eight percent of their original goal and their stretch goal now is for uh uh hd representations of star trek voyager um kind of like they did for deep space nine those um yeah the oh. difference is is that they haven't gotten uh, uh, Paramount Plus to say definitively yes. Um, they're still apparently in negotiations for that. I don't know why Paramount would be reluctant to allow that. But uh, you know, if you'll recall, you know, in the Deep Space Nine documentary, they had approval fairly early on from CBS. Um, so I, I would anticipate they're going to get it, but they are throwing that caveat out there that, you know, this is contingent on Paramount authorizing, uh, the footage. I'm surprised. I, well, I guess that, you know, the discovery thing happened before the, um, you know, before Paramount plus was a thing and really before CBS all access, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the crowdfunding certainly started well before on, on the deep space nine documentary, yeah. what we left behind. Um, happened long before the the discovery was out there and you know certainly before prior to the launch of cbs all access but uh you know i i am uh cautiously optimistic that they'll that they'll get that and you know i really do we are in a period right now with star trek that star trek is really more popular now than it's ever been and people are rediscovering or discovering for the first time these series i mean like deep space nine is more popular now than it was in first run uh which really sort of reminds you of the original series right you know the original series became more popular in the 70s than it ever was when it was an original broadcast it was only in syndication that the original series really found uh its audience and that's true now of deep space nine uh and i think voyager i think people are rediscovering voyager right now as well 
there is no good reason, in my opinion, for Paramount Plus not to spend the money to uh, render all of their Star Trek content into HD because I think they they have really demonstrated their evergreen nature. And I think at some point you've got to invest back in them to make them pretty to look at. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where why? Like, is the juice worth the squeeze? People are going to watch it regardless. So is there a benefit to them, a financial benefit to them? You know, there's certainly fan benefit, right? You know, fan service. But mm-hmm. is there a financial benefit to them to do that high definition uh, translation? There, there probably could have been 10 years ago or, you know, five years ago. Back when people bought people. discs. <laughs> Back when people yeah. bought discs or yeah. to convince people to go into a new streaming service. Mm-hmm. But at this point, those series have been streaming on Netflix and Paramount Plus, you know, and before that, CBS All Access. And so people have seen it. So it's really you're 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 just going to get rewatches. But I don't know that people I think people will rewatch it regardless of if it's been converted to high def or not, unless you're going to do something specifically different with it. Well, I do think that it limits your opportunity for bringing in new audiences though because you know you got to think about it you're constantly having fan uh, potential fans aging into your demographic right so you know that's a, that's a continual churn and i think it's a little self-limiting not to have the crispest brightest content you can have on your 4k streaming platform fair you know, and if you're if you're making Star Trek, you know, one of your pillars in in terms of your brand and, and you know, they have put Star Trek right in the middle of everything, I think you've got to make sure that all of your content looks as good as it possibly can. I'd be very curious to understand or to know what the cost of such a thing would be. Because um, nothing other than enterprise which is probably the easiest to convert to high def. Right. All of these shows are seven seasons long with 2020, 20, yep. 20 to 23 episodes a season. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a, that's a significant investment. I would think. Yeah, I no, I absolutely, absolutely. I, I just wish they'd do it. You know, I think the, the footage that they made of uh, deep space nine for the documentary was gorgeous. And yeah. I would love to see that continued throughout uh, the entire run of Deep Space Nine. And, you know, having as a guy who's watched some Star Trek Voyager lately, I would tell you that Star Trek Voyager would benefit from the same treatment. Did you get um, did you contribute to this Voyager Kickstarter? I am no longer a guy who contributes to film crowdfunding ventures. I, that, that is not something that that I have been treated well by. And so that I don't Superman do that. documentary was, it was burnt, strong. It, that, huh? that was the, the bridge too far, Paul. <laughs> that was the bridge too far. And, you know, and I, I, I will tell you that, you know, the I thought the, the guys who ran the Deep Space Nine uh, uh, crowdfunding, I thought they did they did an admirable job. I did receive my link uh, to to watch it. Um, but I just, there's too, there's too many things that happen in the development of a film that I think make it challenging for someone to, to jump in, in crowdfunding and be satisfied with the experience. You know, the, the stuff that I find myself crowdfunding these days are books that are already developed, um, that it's just a matter of what else other great things can they pack in there with crowdfunding. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, 
um, role-playing games, you know, Savage Worlds expansions or, you know, a comic book property. But even then, you know, it's one of those things. I want to support the creator. I absolutely Mm -hmm. do. Um, Especially as someone who doesn't really read physical media much, it's got to be a significant addition for me to contribute to. Right. Um, You know, but I also, I I understand that crowdfunding is is the only way to get certain projects funded in the format that they need to be funded. But I'm also someone who prefers to just, I'll buy it when it comes out. That's right. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to want to pay $30 for the digital copy of something that I can pay nine ninety nine for when it's actually released. Well, and I don't want to pay $30 for the digital copy. And it's some weird link I've got to go to, to get yeah. it, which is what the, the deep space nine thing was. Um, that's not very satisfying to me. I, I would rather, you know, buy it on voodoo and know that it's, it's, you know, there in my uh, my Voodoo subscription, right? You know that it, yeah. that, that I can always find it in my Voodoo library. Um, I you know and and with you know uh, movies anywhere that's, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I can find it on all my other platforms that I use. Um, you yeah. know, I wound up buying the the Deep Space Nine documentary twice essentially because I crowdfunded it, and then I bought a, a, a Blu-ray of it later on. Um, and I, I'm glad I did that because you know I really enjoy that film, but I just would rather. I want to support these things, but I, I, I want to support them in a way I'm comfortable with. And, you know, this, this will probably get released in theaters like Deep Space Nine did because, you know, we're it's going to be a while before this thing is produced. I'm, hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be on the other side of uh, lockdown by that time. We won't be in the, oh, no, it's COVID 2021, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to see this in a movie theater just like we got to see Deep Space Nine. So I really I paid for that Deep Space Nine uh, thing three times. There you go. I paid for it in the theater. I paid for it in oh, crowdfunding, right. and I paid for it on Blu-ray. I paid for that Aaron, three times. Aaron, fooling his money. Do not tell my wife this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in in media that we already do pay for, uh, Paramount Plus made an announcement this past week, as of this recording. One of the reasons that we are actually recording is that um, the cast or the primary cast of Star Trek Strange New Worlds has been announced. Um, now, I don't believe the characters have been announced, but the correct. actual uh, actors have been. That That is, you are correct, sir. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. So, and it's a bunch of people I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know who these people are. Uh, I, I don't have any experience with them whatsoever, but that doesn't mean that they're not wonderful. There are a whole lot of people in Discovery and uh, Picard that I didn't know either. But, uh, you know. And that turned out wonderfully? <laughs> just kidding. So uh, you, you stop it. <laughs> I'm on a Star Trek podcast. Be more supportive. Um, yeah. So, uh, um, um, do you have the cast members in front of you? I, do. Now, I will say none of them are particularly um, I'm familiar with. They they are all fresh new faces for me. Right. So you've got, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this name. I'm sure you've got Babs Olasum. Uh, Ola Sanam, uh, God dang it! Uh, I know I'll get this in, in, in you know after a week or so of practicing. It's Olu San Mokun. Okay. And I'll speed that up in editing. Um, he uh, was in. He has been in Black Mirror. He was in the Defenders, but I don't remember him in Netflix's Defenders. Um, oh, okay. He was in uh, a. The Emmy-winning miniseries, The Night Of, I'm not familiar with it, and History's 2016 remake of the miniseries Roots, which I also did not see. So, you know, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of film credits, uh, or a, a lot of credits, but, uh, 
nothing that I'm familiar with. And he's going to be in the upcoming Dune film. So, oh, okay. you know, okay. Okay. Uh, the, the image here, uh, you know, he, he looks like perhaps he's an older fella. I'm, I'm just, I, I hate to judge, but he looks like he might be late thirties, early forties. Could be wrong. But, uh, you know, I, they, they're not giving us any, any, uh, hint as to what characters they're going to play. The next is uh, Christina Chong, and she can currently be seen in the live-action adaptation of the classic Hanna-Barbera cartoon, Tom and Jerry, streaming on your HBO Max right now, Paul, and on the CW's Bulletproof. Um, Again, not familiar with her. She uh, uh, was in the BBC series Line of Duty, Sci-Fi's Dominion, Halo, Nightfall, and Fox's uh, event miniseries, 24, Live Another Day. Um, but yeah, this is, this is another actress I am, another actor I'm not familiar with, but she was in, uh, her film credits include Christmas Eve, opposite of uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, and uh, she was also in Johnny English Reborn. Again, nothing I'm familiar with. Hmm. Okay, okay. Now, the actress... Who uh, that next is uh, Celia Rose Gooding, and there has been some speculation that she might be playing Cadet Uhura on Strange New Worlds, and that is complete oh. rumor and speculation. Um, but you know she appears rather young and uh, is a singer. Uh, she uh, she received a 2020 Tony Award nomination for uh, Best Featured Actress in uh, in a Musical for her work. Um, her past theater ro- roles include uh, Urine Town <laughs> oh, okay, okay. and Fame. But uh, there is, and she's currently in a production of Alanis, Alana Morissette's uh, musical Jagged Little Pill. Um, there is a lot of speculation that she will be playing Cadet Uhura. And again, Nobody has said that Uhura is going to be in Strange New Worlds. However, I believe it was Rebecca Romaine who tweeted out, uh, nice to have you aboard, cadet. So uh, oh, oh. that that could be meaningful. Mm. But, you know, the uh, the uh, the age would certainly work out because, you know, she, she definitely appears to be a young younger actor. Um, there is also Jess Bush uh, joining the cast. Um, she starred as Helen in the indie feature Skinford and uh, appeared in the recurring guest role of Kendall in the Channel 10 series Playing for Keeps. Uh, I, again, nobody I'm familiar with. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still lost. Keep going. Yeah. Well, last but not least is Melissa Navia, uh, and her recent television credits include a recurring role on AMC's critically acclaimed series, Dietland, uh, hmm. and guest roles on Showtime's uh, Billions and Homeland. And I watch Homeland. I do not recall her from that show, though. Um, she uh, made her off-Broadway debut in the much-applauded Bundle of Sticks. So, uh, anyhow, I, I, so a bunch I don't of know. people you haven't heard of before will be your new enterprise crew in strange new worlds. But I will say they're uh-huh. all awfully good looking. <laughs> this is a, a very handsome crew they have put together. Well, if they weren't, I'd be disappointed. Like right. if it was just, just a bunch of ugly people. Yeah. Star Trek, ugly new worlds. It seems awfully female heavy. Um, and I'm sure that is purposeful. I mean, of these, you know, what, four, 
five actors. Four of them are uh, are, are are female actors. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see who's who winds up in what roles. Yeah, me too. And I'm assuming we will know something more. Uh, you know, it's probably over the summer. Yeah, um, you know, they're shooting right now, right? Uh, you know, Strange New Worlds production has begun. Um, so I, I am eager to start hearing stuff. We should get a teaser trailer before too long. You know, it won't be anything meaningful, but you know, it'll be. I'm sure it'll be Anson Mount voicing over voicing over an image of the Enterprise. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, Just give me something. Give me something. Yeah, I I I, I can't begin to tell you how eager I am for this show. Uh, don't even try. Yeah, I don't even I, want to hear it. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you know, getting Rebecca Romaine back and uh, Ethan Peck and Anson Mount, I am. I am wicked excited. Um, I, I, you know, I expect that you know the action is going to be primarily those three, right? Um, you know that that's who those stories are going to revolve around. Be be very much like the old, you know, uh, Kirk, Bones, and Spock stories that most mm-hmm. of those stories revolve around them. And then every now and again, you get one of the the other cast members, you know, get get a swing at the bat, but. Uh, get a swing at the ball um but uh <laughs> that was a sports metaphor paul yeah um, and look how you bungled i, I know I, I bungled that way it'll be fine in editing um <laughs> but uh you know i i'm, I'm excited i I'm, I'm eager to see what this looks looks like you know there are characters that we saw in the cage the original series pilot the cage that i'm curious if they will use those characters like you know you had dr boyce right you know the original uh uh doctor but he was a much older guy and a white guy um i i don't anticipate that any of the the actors who have been cast that we know about will be reprising that role and it wouldn't surprise me to see that you know dr boyce you know being the older gentleman that he was maybe he's already retired off the ship because these stories will take place after sometime after the the cage episode because the cage episode had happened prior to uh captain pike appearing in discovery and we know the these episodes will occur after his appearance on discovery so you know they may be recasting the entire uh the entire uh, you know command crew that we've seen other than these three you know so there's no reason to expect that uh that you would have you know the actors that we've seen like you know there uh there was a yeoman that we saw uh that Pike was quite familiar with. There's no reason to think that any of these actors uh, would be reprising that role, would be taking on that role. So yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's all speculation now. I'm just, I'm excited and eager for it. Uh, and I think I can get by on the Cadet Uhura thing. I, I think that doesn't irritate me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm excited to learn more, right? I'm excited to, to get some announcements, to see some footage, to get something, yeah. uh, you know, some new track. Um, you know, we're, we, we've got a lot of stuff coming, but be, we're, we're, we're in that, that time period where there's no new track time frame there's no new trek footage we're just kind of hearing casting announcements and know that lower decks is you know has already produced season two or you know i guess has hopefully nearing completion of season two when you know discovery is filming and now strange new worlds and picard is about 
is about to or maybe has already started filming. Yeah, Picard's already started. They they were delayed a couple of weeks because uh, St- Patrick Stewart hadn't had his second COVID shot. But yeah. he, he is uh, all shot up now, and uh, that, that show – it and uh, Strange New Worlds are, are filming concurrently. But, you know, Paul, I do have one prediction. I'm going to make it right now. Here's my prediction uh-huh. Uh-huh. about Strange New Worlds, uh-huh. about someone we're going to see, someone who's going to show up, someone who will guest star, even if it's just a cameo walk-on kind of thing. I have a prediction for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for my prediction? And I'm not saying – it happens first season. I'm saying it happens sometime during the run of Strange New Worlds. We will see Mr. Scott Bakula reprise his role as uh, Captain Archer, now Admiral Archer, in uh, the running of Strange New Worlds because the timing works out. I'm. I actually hope we do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that will happen. Uh, that is a prediction I have, and maybe even see Porthos. Well, no, because Porthos got shot out the airlock. Nah, 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 no, that was in the Kelvin-verse, Paul. You can't <laughs> conflate your Kelvin-verse with the prime timeline. I'm just assuming that it happened in both, because it was before <laughs> the diversion of but, the timelines. But Scotty did it, and it was after the diversion of the timelines. Ah, we'll so, see. So you go to hell. Maybe we'll see Porthos floating along in space. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll see Kelvin-verse Porthos up <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This isn't my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're excited about Strange New Worlds, uh, but I got to tell you, Paul, Mm -hmm. uh, I recently, Nicholas Meyer, you know, the guy who uh, wrote and directed Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. The the original or the Snyder Cut version? (laughs) (laughs) Both. Um, He also wrote and directed uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and he wrote with Leonard Nimoy uh, Star Trek IV. He wrote a memoir 10, 12 years ago called A View from the Bridge, in which he talks about his journey in Hollywood as well as his time in Star Trek. And he just recently, like within the last month, released an all-new audio book where he makes some minor uh, changes on it. Doesn't talk any at all about his time on Discovery, but talks about everything up to that point. It is a fascinating listen. I I, I highly recommend it. Um, He... Having listened to him speak in person when you and I were at Mission New York, I had sort of Mm -hmm. a sense of him as being kind of an asshole. Um, (laughs) And I I think that's probably true up to a point, but he is also very honest about himself and his own talents. And he, one of the things that he's very honest about is, I do not have good ideas, but you give me an idea, I can run with it. And it's one of the things that he says over and over about his career and that the best things that he's he's worked on are things that people gave him an idea for. Um, and that's true of, you know, all three of the Star Trek scripts he's worked on. Um, if you are someone who enjoys Star Trek, if you are someone who has an interest in the behind the scenes making of Star Trek and the dynamics about Star Trek, uh, I highly recommend the audiobook. Uh, I, I burned through it. Uh, it was, it was fantastic. And unlike those Shatner memoirs, it's actually long. It's like 11, 12 hours long or something. So, uh, it was really good. It was really good. I, I, I do intensely recommend it, but you know, and does he read that or yeah, is it, he narrates okay. it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He narrates it himself. And, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I find so compelling about it is, 
uh, it doesn't allow him to distance himself from what he's talking about. And there are some very mm-hmm. painful moments uh, that he talks about in that book. Um, I, I just, it's, it's, it's a very compelling read or, or listen. I never know how to talk about audiobooks, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 it was time well spent. I very much enjoyed, uh, that experience, but you know, he has recently pitched Star Trek film to Paramount. Um, he has an idea. He won't talk about the details of that idea, but he pitched an idea uh, that would be, occupy a space in the Star Trek, the the prime Star Trek timeline um, that has not been explored. Well, which suggests to me it's that time between the end of Star Trek VI and the beginning of Star Trek: The Next Generation, because there, there's a whole eighty years of, of blank space there. Um, but you know, he, he has, he had an idea, he pitched it, he's pitched it to JJ Abrams, he's pitched it to Paramount and others, uh, and it's not going anywhere. In fact, you know, we've talked previously on this podcast about all the various Star Trek scripts that aren't going anywhere. Yeah. You know, that for instance, you know, there's the crim- there's the uh, one that features Chris Hemsworth returning to his role as Captain Kirk's dad in the Kelvinverse films. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's not going anywhere because of money, right? You know, those those actors are uh, have a multi-film deal where they make m- more money each time around and you know the the juice isn't worth the squeeze in that you're going to pay so much money to have all of these actors back and you know the last two star trek films haven't made the money that they had hoped they'd make um particularly star trek beyond where everybody thought that was going to make money hand over fist and it just didn't and you know that's largely where the kelvin versus stalled out in fact you know uh Prior to the merger of CBS and Paramount, um, Paramount had approached Chris Pine to renegotiate his contract, and he's like, "Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, if I'm gonna if I'm coming back as Captain Kirk, I'm I'm a gonna get paid." And uh, so, you know, literally, that's where things have stalled out. Is just you know money for, for that for that cast. We've got the Quentin Tarantino script that's out there. The story somebody else wrote the script uh, that JJ apparently likes, but it's not going anywhere. And you know, there are a number. I think there are four scripts out there that are just sitting there doing nothing. And the reason why is that leadership at Paramount has changed. And as these things happen, you know, Hollywood executives always like to champion their own projects, not the projects of other people. And so we saw uh, just a week or two ago that uh, one of Discovery's newer writers, who has only been on for this past season, has been contracted to write a uh, full script treatment for a new Star Trek film. We don't know what that's going to be yet. We don't know who it's going to be about, what it's going to be about. But we do know that there is a fifth, I think, uh, new script in the works uh, for a a Star Trek movie. Which, Paul, got me to thinking. uh It got me to thinking. What if we were writing the next Star Trek film? Oh, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll go first. Yeah, Um, yeah, please. I, Wait no, because I, I don't know. What if you steal my idea? Well, uh, go, Paul. Go. I don't want. I don't want you worried that I'm going to steal your idea. Yeah. Okay. You go. Okay. You I'm go. Gonna go. I'm going to go. You go. Then I go. Okay. So I was thinking about this. A word. You, know, you you listening may think this was off the cuff, but this was a pre-planned conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been thinking about this, and I was thinking that if for a cinematic feature, 
right? Because that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the next Star Trek film. I'm not talking about the next Star Trek TV series. You know, I'm not talking, you know, I'm talking about the next Star Trek cinematic experience. Um, you know, whenever movie theaters open up, I would rather than focus on everything that we've seen thus far, because Star Trek has historically been a representation of Starfleet in every iteration of Star Trek, even the upcoming Section 31, all the upcoming television shows. Mm-hmm. Um, the only real deviation from that is Picard. But even then, it's kind of, you know, on that ground. I would deviate from the formula and I would instead represent Starfleet as the villains, but not the villains that you'd think that, in, you know, in the way they're typically represented as a corrupt organization. I would just represent them as the cops, you know, as, you know, as the, as what they are. They are the, you know, the, the, the United Federation of Planets. And I would follow instead a group of rogues, perhaps ex Starfleet, um, you know, perhaps led by someone from, uh, uh, you know, a previous crew, you know, I'd probably said it maybe, maybe in the timeline after Nemesis, right? I think that's the timeline that most people, um, really kind of feel most comfortable in, mm-hmm. um, you know, is in that original series timeline, uh, of, you know, post Nemesis, it's still next generation. Um, you know, you've still got some of that crew around. You've also, you know, it's not quite the far flung, unhappy future of discovery and Picard, um, you know, you, you, you've still got kind of the status quo in Starfleet that you're used to. So I would set it in that time frame, but I would probably follow a group of rogues, um, you know, on, and I don't have like the specific story in mind, but on some specific mission in which they are actually, you know, have to evade Starfleet. You know, Starfleet is the, you know, the cops that come in and they're kind of the, the rogues, the vigilantes. They're not necessarily bad guys. They're all good guys. You know, they're, 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 you know, um, you know, villains, anti-heroes, right? But with hearts of gold, you know, almost <laughs> like your guardians of the galaxy type characters. Um, but I, I would set it within that, that Star Trek universe where you see Starfleet from the perspective of someone literally not in Starfleet. Like the entire film, you know, it, it features, uh, you know, characters that are not part of Starfleet. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, when you when you think about the, you know, a film in that context, you know, comparing it to the other Star franchise, right, Star Wars, you know, how do you inject, how did they inject life in that franchise um, when the response to following the Rebel Alliance was a bit lukewarm. Well, they followed someone outside of the Rebel Alliance and showed the Rebel Alliance from the perspective of your average person in the Mandalorian, and that really connected with viewers. And I would probably do something similar with Star Trek, and I would show Starfleet from the perspective of not the Klingons necessarily, not not the villains, but I would show them in the context of perhaps an anti-hero group um, that's just trying to make a living. And I know again, Picard kind of follows this group of rogues, but it's it's not quite the fun jovial type story that i would be looking for i would be looking for something high adventure you know excitement but you know still rooted in the science fiction nature you know perhaps a a bit more sciencey a bit more cerebral than something you'd get uh from your guardians of the galaxy but still kind of with that same type of humor and fun so and and, and, you know multi multi 
planet, you know, m- multiple planets represented. Perhaps you have a Klingon on the crew. Perhaps you have a human. Um, you know, I, I don't know particularly what character I would feature, um, you know, as, uh, you know, a, a lead character, but I would certainly inter- inject someone who we have seen in that timeline from either Next Generation or Deep Space Nine as you know, kind of a connection to that universe. And I know it's been years since either of those shows were on, but you could set it 20 years after Nemesis and not conflict with anything that we've seen. Sure. So that, that's, that's what I would do. I would, I would have um, more of an action adventure um, fun type film um, that still takes place in the, in the timeline, the, 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 the prime timeline, um, but isn't necessarily focused on a Starfleet crew. Well, you and I have some similarities in our pitch. That's why I went first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. In fact, uh, not only do I agree, but Ron Moore agrees that uh, Star Trek films have to be different than Star Trek television shows. Star Trek television, sh- television shows are morality plays, right? Um, they are about exploring our humanity, whereas feature films you know, are about blowing shit up and amazing special effects and high octane energy. Um, you know, the, 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 those two requirements really don't mesh well. Um, and so my elevator pitch is a little something different than what we have seen previously in Star Trek. And I just want you to think about Star Trek colon James Bond. Mine would be a spy thriller set in the 24th century. So right around the same time you're talking about, Paul, within that next generation era, um, which the the central character is, you know, a spy, not necessarily, you know, Section 31, but a spy. In fact, one of the rules on my Star Trek film is that at no point is the Federation a bad guy. You know, that we are because and, and, and the, the the reason for that is we have seen so many stories in Star Trek films where there is corruption within the Federation, that the Federation has lost its way. In fact, you know, that is an element that, uh, you know, God love him, Sir Patrick Stewart brought to us. Uh, in a number of films, you know, we saw that in Insurrection, we saw that in Nemesis, and we see it also in the Picard series, though it's explained away in the Picard series that it was those dirty damn Romulans. Um, I don't want my Federation, my Starfleet being a corrupt entity. I, I, I want to return to not necessarily a, a shallow two-dimensional version of, of Starfleet. I want Starfleet to be complicated and the, and the politics to be complicated, but I don't want it to be the nefarious, you know, mustache twirling villain of the film. Uh, I want my, I want my, my Starfleet spy, uh, my James Bond-like character to, to be rugged, to, you know, be able to hand, and I'm not saying it's gotta be, when I say rugged, I don't want anyone to interpret that as male. This could be male or female. Um, I, I just want that, that spy to have the charisma of a James Bond, have the, the ability to fight. And, you know, some, sometimes when we watch Star Trek films, and I want, this isn't true of the Kelvinverse films, but certainly true of the original cast films, uh, it was hard to believe 
that Captain Kirk in his later years was uh, was you know kicking ass uh, like he was on screen. You know, I, I want to see someone capable like you know uh, a Daniel Craig, you know, throwing punches, you know, as this as this character, because um, it's got to be an action film and it's got to be a believable action film and it's got to be believable in the physical fight as well as the the special effects. My thought is, you know, it, it is a spy mission that goes awry. And yeah, there can be twists and betrayals, but the twists and betrayals come from our allies, not from the Fed, not from the Federation, not from Starfleet. They could come from what we're doing with the Klingons or what we're doing with the Romulans or, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a perhaps a, a world that we're bringing into the Federation. And as, you know, this, this is sort of a, a kind of like a Star Wars film where we're going from planet to planet to planet. Um, you have the opportunity to, to bring in cameos of the actors that, that still want to be involved in Star Trek from, you know, Next Generation, original series, etc. I mean, I think it would be a lot of fun to run into Major Kira, and it would be a lot of fun to, you know, run into, you know, Quark, you know, these different characters uh, and actors who are still working today that you can bring in for a, a larger supporting role. Um, like I could certainly see, you know, Sidig El Fadil uh, participating in that, and I'm not only choosing actors from Deep Space Nine. But I do other want to note that all the actors you mentioned could be great supporting characters as part of a rogues crew. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, because they, they 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 seem like they would still be friends. You know, they all uh-huh. seem you know, like they could have pursued avenues outside of Starfleet and did. You know, that wouldn't conflict with what we've seen in continuity already. Just well, thinking. and I think I think that you know the actors that I'm mentioning, you know, all have really strong acting chops mm-hmm. and can do do the work on the big screen that the big screen requires. Um, you know, it's just a matter of whether or not they want to do the work. You know, whether or not they want to be involved in either a, a walk on or do they want to be involved in in something a little bit larger as the as as the script would uh, permit. I just I think that would be a lot of fun, and it doesn't tie you to a great big crew that you got to bring back episode after episode or film after after film. But it allows you to expose people to different elements of Star Trek. And so, you know, if it's a big, fun, bombastic film, and people are like, wow, you know, I, I didn't know Star Trek could be this fun. I'm curious about these other characters. Well, hey, I just happen to have seven seasons of Deep Space Nine that you might want to subscribe to on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, you like that Neelix guy. I happen to have seven seasons of Star Trek Voyager for you to enjoy on Paramount+. Plus. I think you have to bake that kind of stuff in, uh, you know, not not just tiny little, you know, Janeway on the communication channel, but give them a role because, you know, think about how cool it would be for Jonathan Frakes to be, you know, captaining the Titan. And, you know, he picks you up from the planet as you're, you know, j- moving on to the next phase of your mission. And you get to talk to you get to talk to, uh, you know, Captain Riker while you're walking down the hall. I, I just I think that would be really cool and not just cool for us. I think that'd be cool for a larger, broader audience. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for for what it's worth, I feel like in both of these ideas, um, at least now I'm not I'm, I'm not per, I'm not I'm not commenting on your idea. But in my opinion, I think you need a hot actor now to put butts in seats because the name Star Trek is not enough. Um, oh, you're probably right. So, you know, regardless, you know, I, I'm fine. Interject as many, you know, um, characters from Deep Space Nine as you want in, in either of these ideas. I think we both have uh-huh. an affinity for Deep Space Nine that will bring in your legacy people. Mm-hmm. But to bring in new people, 
you need an actor who is hot now and that people will go to, you know, will, will watch a movie for um, because they have a familiarity with them. Someone like, you know, not it doesn't need to be Tom Cruise, but, you know, it could be an Anthony Mackie or Ryan Reynolds or, you know, a Matt Damon. Just someone who people will go will well, try something I, outside of their comfort zone to, to watch that actor perform. But can still it, perform, it, do it, the role. It may be somebody more along the lines of the guy who's about to bust, you know, the guy who's about yeah. to, to go for, from, you know, tier level B to tier level A, you know, someone who's perhaps, uh, and I don't know who this is, but, you know, somebody who's perhaps got a hit TV show right now who's about to pop into film, maybe that's your guy, you know, yeah. so you're not spending a fortune uh, in that first film. You're going to spend it. You're going to spend it in the second and third film, most likely. But, uh, you know, at least in the first film, you get an opportunity to build that audience and, and, and bring folks in. You know, I, I, I think that you have to cast uh, more broadly uh, than we have historically in mm-hmm. Star Trek, in, in Star Trek films. I mean, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, like I said, could be a woman. I mean, you know, Gal Gadot is uh is one of the highest paid actresses in Hollywood right now, so she's probably out of our price range. But wouldn't it be great to have Gal Gadot in Star Trek? Yeah. You know. And I never know how to pronounce her name. Is it Gadot? Gadot. I think it's Gadot. It? But you know, all yeah. those people are looking for jobs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They're not Zack Snydering anymore, though she is making a third Wonder Woman movie. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. But so, she'd love to be in Star Trek. She wants to wear the ears. Who wouldn't? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So anyway, we want to know what you thought about uh, our pitches for Star Trek uh, and what you thought about the news this week. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a triple. Or maybe two. You never know, because they, they reproduce so fast. Or maybe zero. But, you know, yeah. regardless, yeah. give us a call. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Paul, our, our listeners have homework for next time, just oh. like you do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we are going to talk, in our next episode, we're going to talk about the comic book, Star Trek Year 5, Issue 17, which is a follow-up to the original series episode, Assignment Earth. So you got something you got to read, and you got something you got to watch. And we're going to talk about both of those next time, right here on Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Exciting stuff. See you guys then. Bye! Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 